Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Today is Jane Greer, and Jane, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be uh, on on with you. Yeah, it's great. Jane and I, th- I think we first met in the green room. At, was it the Today Show or Good Morning America? Or, or I mean, uh, Good Morning New York? I don't. Remember. I don't remember what show. I had written a book on in-laws, and I, I don't know what that was about five years ago. Which book were you on for that? Uh, golly, it might have been the Gridlock book. Gridlock book. Courage to move on. Yeah. Love, work, and life, yes. <laughs> yes, a long time ago, and then coincidentally we knew uh, we had a friend in common. That's right. Amazing. Very strange. We were both working on other books and have done other things with uh, Tony Rubino, who's a great little editor and uh, helps us both out. So, Right. Out of all the people in the world, we reconnected <laughs> with that. Exactly. Well, you know what? That, that is the testimony to the people who are supposed to be in your life and those that you are supposed to be connected with do indeed come your way or other people come along to reach to them. And, you know, there are no coincidences as such. Absolutely. Well, I want to say a little bit about you before we get started. And Jane Greer, she's a national known marriage and family therapist, and she's authored four books. I believe four. Is that right, Jane? That's correct. Okay, The Afterlife Connection, the one we're going to talk the most about today, but I also want to talk to her about her other books. A Therapist Reveals How to Communicate with Departed Loved Ones, Gridlock, finding the courage to move on in love, work, and life, and how do you do this? How could you do this to me? Learning to trust after betrayal. And she also wrote a book called Adult Sibling Rivalry. And she also has a sex advice column for Red Book Magazine online at uh, redbookmagazine.com. So you might want to go. And do you, do you have a website where they can get in touch with you, Jane? I do. It's www.drjanegreer.com. Oh, yeah. And if you see Jane's picture when you go, I imagine you have a picture on your website, do you? I do. I do. You will probably recognize her because if you've watched any daytime uh, things like Sally Jesse Raphael or Montel Williams or I don't know what else have you been on, Jane is not only on for her books, but she also gets called on to be the kind of uh, psychologist on the shows. Yes, yes. I've done many, many shows. In fact, this morning I did a little quick segment on a, a piece for the Today Show on women who are addicted to bad boys. Uh-huh. So... Uh, and let's definitely go on to that. And now now we've got that little teaser for the audience. They're going to want us. <laughs> I mean, how could we resist women addicted to bad boys? Right. We right. promise you we'll come back to that. <laughs> so, Jane, I wanted to talk about your book, The Afterlife Connection, and um, a therapist reveals how to communicate with the departed loved one. And I wanted to ask you very first of all, I was reading the book, it was so interesting, but I wanted to ask you first of all, were you afraid to write it and what did you think other therapists would think about you or the world or did that bother you at all or what? Well, yeah, it was a concern. You know, when, when this happened, I was writing uh, for Red Book Magazine and have been working with couples and individuals with relationship and marital and sexual concerns for so many years and really wanted to write a book about sexual issues how to address those concerns, how to make your sex life better. And in the midst of it all, my mother was precipitously diagnosed with a, a terminal brain tumor. Mm. And 
so okay, I went through the you know the um, uh, devastating period of, of life when you're dealing with a loved one's imminent death and put aside work projects. And at that point, before she died, I said to her, you know, somehow you have to promise me that you're going to find a way to stay connected to me and to come back. Now, this came out of my collaborative work with a very prominent celebrity psychic who I'd been involved with for a number of years. We had been actually working jointly on the psychic and your psyche, teaching people how to enhance their psychic skills, how to be open to the psychic world. Her name is Maria Papapetra. Okay, now I want to break just for a minute when you say that with the audience. Audience, please stay with us, even you people who are skeptical. Uh-huh, yes. Stay with us. <laughs> Hang in because it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> okay. She had lost her son at the age of 15 many years back and found that much of her psychic information and connection was coming through her relationship with her son who was on the other side. And being involved and being open to that and seeing the abundance of information that came her way that things that she would predict, things that she would say would occur, which indeed did occur, was really incredibly eye-opening to me Uh and was what really planted the notion that at the point in time when my mom got ill to say to her, hey, you know what, you can stay connected, find a way. Okay, so she made this promise that she would do it and after her death, things started to happen. Um, Inexplicable things concerning electricity, concerning lights, concerning music, things that you couldn't quite make sense of on a pragmatic, reality-based, uh, in a reality-based context. Mm-hmm. So I started writing them down just to kind of keep track to say, wow, this happened. And, and an happened. audience, Jane, starting with writing it down. I think that's one of the things you're going to say, right? Absolutely. Okay. The minute you have something that seems out of the blue or out of the ordinary, write it down. So I started to do that. And by the end of about six months, I had a litany of uncanny, inexplicable experiences the kinds of things which immediately makes you say, oh, I've got the chills, and mm-hmm. this sounds crazy, but those are t- I've found with everybody who's experienced spiritual encounters and connections with loved ones who've moved on, that the, the defining mantra is either you will say, I know this sounds crazy, but, right. or I'm getting the chills. I've got, it's putting, you know, my hair is raising. Mm-hmm. So at that point, my editor... I was talking about an idea that I had for a book on sex and was just kind of talking loosely about my own personal experience and the things that were happening and the things that I had written down. And it was truly at her suggestion where she said, you know what, so many people could really benefit from hearing from a credible therapist that this can happen, this does occur, and learning how to create and generate this connection for themselves. This is really a book that could be so heart-opening and enhancing for people. Why don't you write this book? Mm -hmm. You can always write a book on sex. So I thought about it for a while and started working with my patients to help them develop the, the skill and expertise to generate their own contact and connection to, to, to look at how do you deal with unresolved relationships if a loved one passes and you're, you're not at a place of harmony and peace. And 
started to gather stories from so many people who were having similar, extraordinary, what felt like miraculous connections and happenings with departed loved ones that I said, okay, I will, I will go ahead and, you know, put all this down on paper and see what it leads to. And it really became this particular book. Mm-hmm. And that's how it came to, uh, came into being. That's great. And, and it must, as I said, it must, you must have thought about it more than once about, wow, should I really put this out there? Well, I think the hardest part for me, Gloria, is that coming from a, a very psychoanalytically, uh, psychotherapeutic background, as a therapist, I'm trained to not disclose, to really, right. you know, to, to keep my personal life very personal and private. If you could go on and give us some ideas for folks out there, one of the things that um, is a little different is your mother would be your advisor anyway. Mm-hmm. But remember, our guests have lost children. Mm-hmm. So right away during that first or second year, you wouldn't expect them to really maybe see their child as an advisor. They might later on, but I would doubt it the first you know, the first couple of years, I would think more we're looking for what you were talking about, harmony and peace. Right. And, and how can you connect up on that level with the kids? What, and you know? I, I think that one of the things, regardless of whether it's a child, an adult, a grandparent, when our loved ones move on, I truly believe that it's because they have reached a point for whatever the karma and whatever the being is that, they have done all that they can do in physical form and are now transitioning to a higher level and a higher evolution in spirit form. Mm-hmm. And therefore, their loving energy prevails and persists and it continues to surround us and embrace us from the other side. And if you've lost a child, that child's energy and spirit and presence will continue to be there to to um, connect in loving, caring, supportive, and oftentimes guiding ways. One of the women that I met, a, a, a stranger out of the blue, we, she wound up talking to me and we wound up, it was a long story, we wound up connecting. In any event, it turns out I had no idea that her son had passed away in a car accident. And we were house hunting, my husband and I, and wound up checking out the area where she was living and her home was beautiful, and she said that what had happened was one day she and her husband were about a half an hour away going to lunch, and she got in her head the message where this particular uh, piece, this particular town and piece of uh, land was, and she heard it in her head, River Reserve, this one particular area, and she turned to her husband and said, we've got to go there. And he said, where is there? She said, I don't know, but I got this in my head. Anyway... She and her husband went there. There was one model home left on the market. They bought it that day because it was exactly the um, kind of environment uh, similar to the place where her son had been at college. And she said unequivocally that I know my son gave me that message, wanted us to be living here. Their home was by a river with a mountain in the background. And she said, I know he brought us here. So it was clearly a a piece of guidance and love and connection from her son who had passed on. And I think the key is really simply to be open to feeling their loving energy. Just because that person, that child, that parent doesn't exist in physical presence does not mean that their energy and 
who they are ceases to exist. Now, could you talk a little bit about putting out the welcome mat? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to have the expectation and to look for and to specifically ask for a sign so that your loved one knows that you are welcome and open to connecting with them. And what I very often encourage people to do is to get a special candle and to, you know, something as simple as lighting the candle to pass on the light and the energy and to say to your child, to say to your sister, I want to feel you, I want to feel a connection, please, I'm ready, show me a sign. And then to be open to the wonder of spiritual connections because one of the ways that our loved ones come through is in and through energy, which means electrical appliances, lights, music, sounds. Now, very often the only way that they come through and register is that things break, things stop working. And if you are not aware that this is a message from a loved one, you can miss it entirely and simply wind up feeling frustrated, irritated, and annoyed that you have a new car and your air conditioner on the hottest day isn't working or you've got a television and your favorite program is on and the TV just went out, or your phone line, suddenly all you've got is static and you're trying to make calls and you can't get through. I was uh, at a book tour and talking at Barnes & Noble and what I was describing that spirit does come through in all these frustrating and irritating ways, and one of the women said, I can't believe you're saying this. Thank goodness. She said, you know, this past week, Every appliance in my kitchen stopped working. My dishwasher went on the blink. The toaster stopped working. And she said, "My sis- I said, who passed away? She said, my sister died a week and a half ago. And mm. she was the one who did all the cooking. I said, well, she's still in the kitchen with you, and she wants you to know that. And she said, you know, if not for understanding this, it helps you to completely reframe what would otherwise feel like a disruption to bring right. a meaningful and powerful message and contact from a loved one. So the most important thing is to be aware of the infinite ways that we receive our messages through animals, through dogs, through cats, through butterflies, through birds, through music, through special songs. Suddenly being on the radio, you're thinking about it, and there's a song that was very meaningful to right. you through license plates. You'll be driving I was going to say signs on the road. <laughs> Start reading plates. signs. License plates. uncanny <laughs> how you will see a license plate that is, is like personalized and written to you about, you know, a message of love with the name of your of your daughter or son or the or the date of the time of passing or the date of a birthday. Uh, all of these ways are the the, the magical miracle ways that our loved ones let us know, I'm right here, I'm right with you. Right. You know, I, we recently adopted a baby, two babies from China, my daughters did, and we went to China to pick them up a month ago, and we, the place where we received the babies was the Gloria Hotel. Oh, for God. And my children are like, oh, what are the chances of that? Anyway, my youngest daughter, who was very close to my son when he was killed, feels very much that he was involved with the, the adoption. One thing I wanted to say about Jane, too, and I'm sure you'd all like to know where she is. She is in New York City, and you have private practice there, right? Yes, I do. I'm, in, I'm located right in Midtown, uh, New York City. And, you know, Gloria, it's so interesting because you talk about sex and whether you're talking about managing and, and keeping sex 
uh, fun and, and just keeping sex alive when you're dealing with grief and loss and or if you're dealing with a betrayal, anything that is traumatic to your relationship will impact on your energy level and therefore on your sexual desire and sexual energy. And I think the hardest part when, you, when you're dealing with a betrayal you mm-hmm. know, where, where somebody has disappointed or betrayed your trust and very often when somebody loses a loved one, it feels like a betrayal. It's like, how could you do this to me? How could you go off and die? I don't get that. Right. You know, um, it's very hard because you sometimes do feel very angry, and then you feel badly or guilty that you don't have a right to be angry, or you feel that you know that somehow if if it's a betrayal that that maybe you brought it on yourself, you could have done something differently. So the challenge is really to be very much in touch with and on top of your angry feelings, your hurt, your disappointment, and to be able to let yourself experience them so that you don't shut off and wind up internalizing them and getting depressed. Because the minute you lock them up inside of yourself, your energy will start to drain, and you will then lose all desire Mm -hmm. for good feelings, and that is where your sex life kind of goes out the window. How would you suggest that, say, a couple has had a child die and um, they have um, maybe some anger, animosity, that kind of thing, how would you suggest that they re-warm up to each other besides talking about it? Yeah, I think that one of the most powerful things for women as well as for men is the physical connection of, of simply embracing, holding each other in one's arms, physical touch, actually just giving each other back rubs or neck rubs or massages or a little reflexology on the hands and the feet, literally staying hands-on and connecting, taking the pressure and the emphasis, per se, off having to have sex, but being sexually intimate by staying in touch with one another's bodies can be tremendously healing and tremendously connecting. Now, do you find that women are slower to warm up to this um, after some kind of a trauma, or or do you find the same with men and women? I think, on the contrary, that one of the most powerful experiences for both men and women who are grieving and dealing with any kind of loss is to be touched, because Mm -hmm. you are in such emotional pain and feeling so alone and very often feeling so empty that that the power of the touch becomes amplified tremendously. So to have a partner simply put his or her arm around you to to give you a soft kiss on the cheek, to simply reach for your hand, helps you feel connected and a part of, a, you know, a, a couple, a greater part of, the whole, if you will, and not so alienated and not so alone in your pain and suffering. And I think that, you know, really keeping a focus on reaching out and touching someone like the phone company tells you can be a tremendous proactive way of working through and getting through your grief. Mm -hmm. Now, do you... uh think like the first time that you're really intimate, is that's, that seems like kind of a hurdle sometimes my people tell me. And the other thing is you have to look at your past history. If you had a difficult sexual relationship before you had a child by, it's going to be even more difficult. 
Yeah, that's why I say that rather than up the ante and make it more difficult, you know, suddenly you're going to mm-hmm. be speaking fluent French when you were up to the dictionary and, and beginner's French, you really want to keep it simple and find ways to just feel good with each other. So you really want to scale it back almost as if it was before you were dating, you know, whether it's... Ah, uh, that's a nice way to think about know, it. Whether it's we're dating again. Exactly. Whether you say, you know what, let's let's go on a date and spend time coming home and just kissing and you know, that, That's a great way to put it because our, our people who have had children die tell us there was then and then there's now. It's a new life. After their child diet is totally changed. So kind of going back to the dating thing could be a lovely way to look at it. Exactly right. Because you know what? When you've lost a child, you have to create a new beginning. And it's very hard so that you want to find a new way and, and begin anew with your partner in ways that you can stay close and comforting and soothing to each other so that you can go through the process together and share the pain and not wind up blaming or criticizing one another. And so putting the emphasis on renewal, starting anew, finding new ways and having something new to look forward to with each other through a date, through an activity of going out, and knowing that your child continues to want you to bring new life and and to, to be alive on their behalf. And so going forward with their presence very much a part of your relationship. Great thought. Well, listen, audience, um, tune in. I mean, uh, get, go on email. I mean, uh, at the Internet and go to that uh, www.redbookmagazine.com and uh, Jane's uh, sex advice column there for Redbook Magazine. And you can probably even, uh, I guess you have some place where they can send in their questions or something. Yes, yeah, uh, Great. Uh, I have. Uh, ask Dr. Greer line. Oh, great. Ask mm-hmm. Dr. Greer. Wonderful. Well, perfect. Well, now we've got, we've, I promised our audience at the beginning that we would also talk about bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's so interesting. Uh, I have a number of women right now that I'm working with, and it was so funny because I was saying, you know, I really want to write an article or something because all of these bright, intelligent, sexy, attractive, savvy women are involved with these guys that just know how to suck the life out of them, make them feel bad about themselves, make them feel like they're the ones who are constantly at fault, always doing something wrong. These guys just come in, they spoil the moments, they spoil the good times, they create conflict, something that should be simple and easy, like being supportive during a hard time, is an opportunity for them to be particularly nasty and withholding. The experience with a bad boy is that it's not about what they do to make you feel good. It's about what they do to alleviate making you feel bad. It's like negative reinforcement. You wind up feeling good simply when they're not saying or doing something hurtful, upsetting, or disappointing. And the key is to really ask yourself, If I'm feeling bad so much, what am I doing with a guy who's always making me doubt my judgment, feel like I'm wrong, feel like I'm stupid, and how do I begin to hold on to my truth and trust my gut and go with, I know what I know. I had one woman who said to me, you know, her boyfriend 
told her she saw the World Trade Center come down on TV, and he said, there's no way that that could happen. It's impossible. And she said, you know what? He completely talked me out of it, oh, even though I know what I saw. And that's what a bad boy can do. He can talk you into believing and buying into his reality at the expense of your own. And if you do that, you pay a tremendous emotional price. So your your message to women is to move on to other relationships and get out of this one. Exactly. But get out by way of holding on to your reality. Check it out with other people. Do not get caught up in trying to change him, trying to get him to see that he's wrong, trying to get him to reason and be reasonable about his unreasonable, irrational behavior and just knowing it to be the truth and doing something about it yourself. That's great. Well, I wanted to ask you about this book, uh, I mean, the one you wrote, How Could You Do This to Me? Learning to Trust After Betrayal. This published by Doubleday. How do you learn to trust after betrayal? If we have some audience uh, members who feel like they've been betrayed, how do they learn to trust after that? The most important thing that I say to people is a lot of times somebody betrays you, they feel bad and they feel guilty and they say, I'm sorry. Most of the time, sometimes they don't even say, I'm sorry. Betrayal, in order for the healing process to start, must start with the apology. I'm really sorry. Ah. And the accountability for what I did to you. I'm sorry I cheated. I'm sorry I lied. I'm sorry I betrayed your trust. That's the first step. However, that is the first step because following that, they now have to put their words into actions. It's not enough to apologize and then to continue behaving in ways that evoke mistrust and suspicion. If they lied, if they cheated, they have to be willing to rebuild your trust. And trust is rebuilt by actions, not words. Mm -hmm. So they have to be willing to say, I'll see you at 7 o'clock and show up. They have to be willing to say, you can trust me. I'm not calling anybody you don't want, you know, that I don't want you to know about. You can look at my phone. You can see who I'm calling. You can look at the phone bill. They right. have to be willing to demonstrate and behave in a trustworthy way. I think it's great that you've published a book encouraging people basically to work through the process and not just get divorced or whatever. Exactly, because, you know, a lot of times cheating is a byproduct in a relationship of something being amiss in the relationship. Something's missing. People get angry and they feel resigned that they're stuck. There's nothing that they can do about it. And then they become vulnerable to a relationship outside of the primary one. Absolutely. And well, a lot of times they want to have what they can't get from their partner, what they're go what's going on with their lover. And if you can use that as an opportunity to jumpstart and and revitalize your marriage or your relationship, you really can rebuild it and take it to much higher ground. I wanted to get back to the afterlife connection, and uh, I wondered if the, there was something that you wanted to say about it. or Yes, I, I think the most important thing, sometimes people will say to me, well, I'm afraid to make the connection, or does it mean that, you know, the people or the, or the other side is getting ready for me? Fear interrupts and disrupts. It's like static electricity. It's okay to have your fears. Just move through them. And know that what you will gain if you open yourself up to the connection with a loved one will be so worth it. And it's only about a continuation of loving energy. And it's so worth that. 
And I think the most important thing is when you're dealing with the other side is to expect and keep your mind positive that Mm -hmm. good things will happen, that positive things will come from your connection, and to ask and expect that your loved one will come through in positive, supportive, loving, healing ways. Because over and over and over and over, I hear this from people that their son, their daughter was there, protected them, guided them, made them feel safe in a, in a moment of fear, and that they always know they have their angel through that loved person. Mm-hmm. The guardian angel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you talk about writing about um, your loved one or dreams? Well, you know, the dream visit, which is what I experienced it and called it, is one of the most extraordinary ways that our loved ones come through. And so many people will say very kind of nonchalantly, oh, I had a dream about my son or I dreamt about my daughter. And I very often will ask them to describe that dream. And the dream has such a vivid quality to it. They didn't just dream about that loved one. They were with that loved one. They felt that loved one's energy and presence. They could describe that loved one to a T. They had the most empowering, interactive connection with them. And I call those dream visits because I truly believe that that's one of the vehicles and one of the ways that our loved ones connect with us. When we go to sleep, we suspend our conscious awareness and our conscious mind, and our energy goes on to that unconscious level, no different than when we meditate and make ourselves available to the cosmic energy and universal energy. And our loved ones who are in spiritual energy form can find a way to have a meeting ground, and that's where we meet up with them. So I think that keeping a journal and writing about the visits that happen when your loved ones come through dream, writing about the inexplicable things when things break, to pay attention to the date, the time, to notice if they're breaking on the date of a loved one's death or the birthday of a loved one, if it's the time, that is, at the time that that loved one passed away, if it's a sudden song that comes on the radio, was it a song that was very special to you or to your loved one? One of the women was telling me she was at the cemetery and she was having a hard time dealing with her mom after her father's death and she was feeling a little guilty about wanting to put her mother in her own apartment and not have her continue to live with her. And she said, Dad, you've got to help me. You've got to let me know that it's okay. You've got to give me a sign. And then at that exact moment on the radio came Fleetwood Mac singing, you can go your own way. <laughs> she said, okay, I got it. It's okay for me to move on and let Mom go on now and do her own thing. Those are the ways you ask for the sign and you will get the connection. Now, I had an email from a lady um, who said that uh, she had been to a psychic her daughter only died four, five months ago, and um, the psychic said her daughter was trying to get to her and that she needed to clear her mind and meditate or whatever. And the poor woman was frantic about the idea that her daughter was trying to get to her. And one of the things that I said to her, and I'd love your comment on it, was that they're with you anyway. They're always with you. They're always with you. The, the What we're simply talking about, it's the difference between turning on the light and seeing what's in the room or having the light off and not necessarily seeing that they're there. 
they're always there. Their loving presence is always around. However, she doesn't have to work that hard. All she has to do is say, sweetheart, let me feel your presence. Show me a sign. And I must say that I've told this to people who've lost loved ones, parents, 25 years ago who've never reached for ask for connection. The minute that they do, the loved one's picture will fall off the, off the shelf. Suddenly they'll be purchasing a house, and the date that they're purchasing the house is their father's birthday. It is extraordinary and remarkable the way that our loved ones continue to let us know they're with us. And all you have to do is open your eyes, ask, look, and receive. Mm-hmm. I love that, ask, look, and receive. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is just recognizing the signs. And I love what you said, put out the doormat, yes. which lets them know that, that you're, you're open. Exactly. And I love the idea of putting a, actually getting a candle, a special candle, and putting it in the window. Mm-hmm. The, the psychic who was telling this woman your daughter's trying to connect, it was almost to me as if her daughter wanted to let her mother know to start to look for me and be open to my presence. And a lot of times our loved ones will communicate through other people. A friend will have a dream about your son, or a psychic will tell yeah. you about your daughter, and that's the way that you start to open up to their coming through. But it's you. not the be-all, end-all. I don't think any psychic would say, you have to come to me every time if you want to have any kind of a sign. Any psychic that's saying that <laughs> is not somebody <laughs> you, you want to go to. their credibility, because the reason I wrote this book is wonderful to go through a psychic and hear things that only your son or daughter knew about you or shared with you, that said, you can get there by yourself. Exactly. And you can be there by yourself. All you have to do is stay open to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, I love on the show, is that little signs, you know, like even reading a sign outside or, you know, um, uh, music or whatever. There are different ways that people My, my mother, My mother's song was La Vie and uh, Rose. And two weeks ago was her birthday. And I have not heard uh-huh. that song in many, many, many months. And at 11.22, which is a particularly significant time and number to me, I turn on a jazz station, which I listen to every week on Sunday morning, and I have never heard Lovey and Rose ever once on the station on her birthday, Lovey and Rose, at that significant time. That's one of a trillion ways that I keep getting messages and signs from her. And that's how your loved one will come through. Yep, and as I, I love what you said because it had only been five months for this lady and for her to meditate after five months, people spend years trying to meditate. Right. <laughs> you it's, know, and it, it's not that hard. You it's don't, not that it hard. It doesn't have to be that. The meditating can help you open your mind. However, you can simply open your mind by saying, I want a sign, I expect a sign, and please give me a sign. Absolutely. Well, Jane, it's time for us to end our show, and I want to thank you so much for being on. It's been so much fun. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Anytime. And I would love to see you sometime when I get to New York or whatever. Absolutely. If you're heading east, you must, must, must call. (laughs) I will indeed. All right, Dr. Jane Greer has been on our show. And, Jane, how does everybody get your books? Uh, most of them are online, Amazon.com. Just go right onto Amazon.com, punch in Dr. Jane Greer, whichever book is tailored to your particular situation, that's how you can get it. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.